0: For Pacifica Radio, February 3rd, 2019. I'm Scott Horton. This is Anti War Radio. All right, you guys, welcome to the show. It is Anti War Radio. I'm your host, Scott Horton. I'm the author of the book Fool's Errand. Time to end the war in Afghanistan and the editorial director of antiwar.com. You can find my full interview archive, more than 4,900 interviews now going back to 2003, there for you at scotthorton.org. All right, you guys, introducing my old buddy Greg Palast. He covered Venezuela for BBC TV and for The Guardian during uh, the Hugo Chavez years. And he has met with Nicolas Maduro and with opposition leaders. Um, and he's written a lot of great books and done some documentaries. The Best Democracy Money Can Buy, uh, a couple different versions of that uh, through the years. And other stuff you can find out all about all of it at gregpalast.com. How's it going, Greg? Uh,
1: pretty good for me. I'm, I'm in the Switzerland, neutral territory. And that is sitting with the money, a very safe place to be. Yeah, there you go. This planet. Overseas well, and yet, yet safe from of...
0: American foreign policy. Interesting. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, but I'm ne- right next to the American money here in Switzerland. But the uh, I did just uh, get off uh, several calls and contacts with uh, people and journalists I respect in Venezuela. Hmm. All right. So listen,
0: a um, little bit of uh, groundwork here for a second. You were an investigator for the state of California's legislature in helping to regulate the uh, energy utilities and things there. You have a a long history of reporting about oil companies and their motives in different American foreign policies. And um, I know you know a lot about all this stuff. Now, here's what everybody knows. America is pushing a coup d'etat or a coup d'etat, some kind of French term there, in uh, Venezuela right now, they've recognized this opposition leader as the president, although so far the military is sticking with the last guy, Maduro, here. Um, but we're right in the middle of that now. So far, there's no bloodbath, but we don't know exactly. It, it very well could go that way if the Americans continue to push, and we know the history of America in Latin America Uh, how far they're willing to go. And look at who we're talking about in charge here. Wall Street Journal says as soon as they're done in Venezuela, Cuba and Nicaragua are next, uh, because John Bolton saith so. And so that's where we're at. So I want to know from you, from your perspective, Greg, really, why is this where we're at? What's... The real big deal with um, America's problem with the Maduro government. And I guess what I'm really asking is which brand name oil companies are behind this and which ones aren't.
1: Just saying, I was going to time to research this, but maybe you could tell me, is there any oil in Venezuela? I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah. OK. According to OPEC, Venezuela has the world's largest reserve of oil, about twice the amount of oil that's in Saudi Arabia, we ain't talking a little bit of oil. We're talking about the mother load of oil. And that's what it's about. When you talk about Venezuela, it's uh, about the oil and the oil and the oil are the three topics. Now, supposedly the U.S. is concerned about the state of democracy in Venezuela, Um, whereas with the other oilocracy, uh, Saudi Arabia, We don't seem to be concerned that it's run by a bunch of dictators in bathrobes, or as we call them, the royals. Um, Nor are we concerned about red China and its state of democracy as long as it's producing uh, cheap junk for uh, Walmart stores with terrorized labor forces. Um, So, you know, democracy is not our concern in Venezuela. The oil is. And in particular, the reason it is, it's, you know, look, if Venezuela played ball with our oil companies, no problem. Uh, but they but they haven't the, the current uh, the Nicolas Maduro government, which uh, Maduro was kind of the handpicked successor uh, when Hugo Chavez was dying. He uh, he his blessing got Maduro elected and uh, the Chavista government under Hugo Chavez, Chavez required the American, British and and uh, and other oil companies to. Um, increased the state's percentage of the ownership of the oil fields to 51%. That Venezuela, but you know, as soon as the U.S. heard that Venezuela was was saying that Venezuelans should control Venezuelan oil, how dare they? Um, Exxon pulled out and sued Venezuela in international courts and has been trying to push the U.S. government to overthrow um, to overthrow that government before and since, and so now it's gotten very very serious.
0: Mm-hmm. so as far as the oil companies go, it's Exxon really that's the problem here.
1: Exxon is the is the leading force in pushing for an overthrow uh, BP is making noises because they would like to to grab some of the, uh, Uh, some of the oil they've been locked out of venezuela and now uh, Uh,
0: but what about the cokes because i know the cokes say they don't uh, like trump and they're not even going to help support the republicans in the next election is how much they don't like them and i know that you taught me before that actually they're the only ones with a refinery down there in corpus on the texas gulf coast that's capable of refining heavy venezuelan crude and so what's their (laughs) company's role in this
1: i'm laughing because basically you're writing uh the uh the truth out uh um, story that's about that's going to be coming out. Um, it is behind a lot of this. Are the Coke brothers? Uh, just to, for people to understand, Coke Industries has uh, the some of the America's biggest oil refineries on uh, the Gulf Coast, Corpus Christi area, and um, they can only they can't use Texas oil, even though they're in Texas. It, Texas oil isn't polluting enough or filthy enough. You, they actually require super heavy oil. There's only two sources of that oil. One is Venezuela in quantity. One is Venezuela. That's where they get it now. So the cokes are captive customers of the Venezuelan government, and they're paying through the nose, and they don't like that, the Koch brothers. Now, they have one alternative, which is bringing in the cheap uh, tar sands crud from Canada uh, which requires, um, you know, using eminent domain across the entire body of the United States to move can- oil from Canada to Texas. Talk That's about the Colson. Keystone
0: Pipeline you're talking about. They're the, behind that.
1: Pipeline. Yeah, I call mm-hmm. it the, Excel, the Keystone Pipeline XL uh, section, which is, it means extended uh, length. Um, and um, so basically the Cokes need either – to elect a president, which they did, who would uh, order the building of the XL pipeline, but it's still delayed and there's still problems. Or you can overthrow the government of Venezuela uh, and get a guy who has already pre-promised that he would resell off and cut deals with the uh, U.S. oil companies. And again, it's that not that the Cokes have an oil company in Venezuela; they are the the main customer. They're the number one customer. Mm for the oil of Venezuela. And they don't like paying the premium, and they don't want to. Okay, so
0: now, but what's the history of that? Because they got along okay with Chavez. It was Maduro who just said, we want a bigger percentage, and that changed their mind about Venezuela what month of what year?
1: No, actually, uh, the Cokes have always, always hated uh, Chavez. They were always uh, at violent loggerheads with the Chavista government. Because the Chavista government, even though heavy oil generally – is charged below um, market for uh, average oil. Uh, the Chavistas, and uh, Hugo Chavez is a very smart cat. I've, I've talked to them many times about this in particular. He knew that he had captive customers and he really cranked it on, on the Cokes. They didn't like it. And for example, um, you know, um, as you know, they were always helpful with the Christian right. Pat Robertson actually called for sending down an assassination squad to eliminate Chavez. And in fact, though, apparently from the tapes I received, I reported that Wackenhut Corporation hmm. may have been involved in such a problem, in, in such an attempt on Chavez. But oh, it, under Maduro, it's the, the problems have continued, except the one thing is, is that the Maduro government is in deep trouble. It was very unpopular. I want to tell you that. He was definitely democratically elected. He is the elected democratically elected the uh, president of Venezuela, whether we like it or not. I was down there for the elections, sure fairer in, in, uh, in Venezuela than in Florida or Georgia. Uh, and, um, but then he became unpopular as the price of oil plummeted. And understand that uh, Venezuela is an oil state. All its money comes from oil. They, they've never been able to diversify. And as a result, all their social programs, Chavez brought for the first time free education, free medical care, uh, subsidized food, subsidized housing to Venezuelans. But once the price of oil plummeted to under $50 a barrel, um, they could not continue to provide those social services that people had uh, long relied on. And so they are angry at Maduro. uh, Well, is it that or is it that they...
0: Destroyed the currency, trying to continue to pay for all those things anyway.
1: Yes, that's right. They they did the they they did several mi- mistakes. And I, by the way, I know um, uh, the president Maduro. I know the vice president very well. I know the oppositions well. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, Maduro is way over his head. He's not. He does not have uh, Chavez's strategic or um, economic background. He does not have. Um, Chavez's charm and leadership qualities. And so, um, you know, he used kind of brute tactics. Uh, Number one is just printing up a whole bunch of money when they ran out of the ability to subsidize, um, to subsidize social services. And of course you just keep printing money and pretty soon it's worthless, uh, which is what it is right now. The second is that uh, he then slammed on price controls and you put price controls on food and you know what happens. Food disappears off the shelves as it moves into the black market or goes out of the country where it gets a better price. So he he made terrible mistakes. And and I would say that, frankly, his popularity has only turned around in his favor this week because of Donald Trump and the blatant and open plan to overthrow the elected government.
0: Right. Which, surprise, surprise, that that things would turn around and people would rally against him. Scott Horton's show is brought to you by The War State, by Mike Swanson. It's a great history of the rise of the military-industrial complex after World War II, the Truman, Eisenhower, and Kennedy years. I think you'll really like it. And check out all of Mike's great investment advice at wallstreetwindow.com. You want to learn how to survive this stuff? Wallstreetwindow.com. But now, so in the election, um, if he's done such a bad job, uh, how come he won? And by the way, I got to admit, I've seen a lot of kind of repeated slogans about what a rigged and terrible, messed up election it was. But I haven't seen many details about that. I'm perfectly open to the possibility. But then again, it sort of looks just like the George W. Bush years and the color-coded revolution, where this is what you do is essentially you refuse to accept that you lost. And you just stay out there and complain about it and fight about it until somehow you do a push and cancel the results of the election you don't like.
1: Well, what's happened is, is that, you know, I followed elections here and I followed elections. I just came out of Georgia. I would not call that uh, the midterm election in Georgia. I wouldn't call that something close to democracy. I'm not talking about Georgia in Asia. I'm talking about Georgia in this in the 19th century in the USA. Uh, but so, you know, we have our troubled elections, say the least. And if you know Greg Palance, if you know my writings, you know, it's been a lot of it has been on the theft of elections, uh, the Carter Center, which, you know, which, you um, um, which, you know, reviews elections worldwide, has said that elections in Venezuela are fairer than they are in the United States. But I would say, since the election of Maduro, which was a fair election because the oppositions never had any good uh, alternatives to uh, the Chavistas, um, the Maduro won. However, understand this, the leader of the opposition, Guaido, the, when I say leader of the opposition, the, the guy who's trying to overthrow the government by inviting in U.S. military intervention, if you can imagine. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll, uh, I'd rather turn down your invitation. Um, he was head of the National Assembly. Now, most dictatorships do not allow the opposition to take control of the National Assembly. Uh, and what's amazing to me is that they're saying, oh, he's he's claiming that he that his family's being harassed, harassed. Understand, this man is actually called for U.S. military intervention. He did that uh, with um, on Amanpour's uh, interview with him. And um, and that's one thing is causing uh, massive demonstrations in Venezuela, not by Chavistas, but by some even right wing people who really don't want to have to fight American troops on the beaches, and they will, just like in America. We may not like Trump, but if we were invaded tomorrow morning, uh, you know, by by Mexico or uh, Russia or whatever, um, believe me, most Americans would rally around our flag as they will in Venezuela. So this is a terrible mistake by Guaido, but on the other hand, maybe not because um, the US government has uh, recognized him as the real president even though he's gotten no votes. The Canadian government, which surprising, surprise, surprise, is the number one competitor to Venezuela in heavy oil, has recognized Guaido. And um, you know the European Union, that, that great uh, bastion of democracy has recognized Guaido. And even more, the US government has seized the assets of Citgo oil. On one hand, we're complaining about the seizure of an oil company and the US government has seized has effectively seized Citgo Oil which is uh, Venezuela's oil company and gas stations in the United States um and uh, you know so and we are and we have said that we will release that money and Britain has said it will release Venezuela's gold held in um, the British treasury um that uh, the the Brits will only give Venezuela's gold to Guaido and the U.S. government will only give the oil money, which is owned by the Venezuelan people, to Guaido. And there's a great fear. I just literally got off the phone with a respected journalist William uh, Catamoros in, um, in Caracas, who said the, the, the worry is that the money will be used by Guaido, since he's already talked about violence and using violence to take power that it will be used to buy guns as uh, the Contras bought guns to try to overthrow the government of Nicaragua back in the 80s. So, you know, we unfortunately, Latin Americans know the history of the U.S. and Latin America, and it ain't always been pretty. So, they, you know, because of what we've done before, I say we, the American governments and oil companies and militarists have done before, um, you know, we've scared the hell out of the Venezuelan people. They might not be crazy about Maduro, and if you held another election... He probably wouldn't get reelected, but the the hell if they're going to support um, a coup d'état, theft of the nation's treasury and gold, and military and, and an invitation to military intervention. Plus, by the way, he's called for mutiny, an uprising by the uh, by the uh, armed forces in Nicaragua against their government. I mean, you do that in the United States, we have a law called the United States Constitution, which says there's there's a penalty for uh, calling for the violent overthrow of the government. It's the death penalty. And yet, uh, I have to say, Maduro's been a hell of a nice guy letting this guy run around and do international TV interviews. And he just gave a speech uh, this week at, uh, at the National University while calling for the violent overthrow of the government. A- Astonishing.
0: Well, and he said, too, that he's had secret talks with the military. But So here's where we are now as we're recording this on the 1st of February is that the military has essentially laughed in his face. Not only did they say no, they said, hell no. It doesn't seem like there's really a break inside the military there. So now either the coup just fizzles and it goes nowhere because you either are in charge of the military or you ain't the state, essentially, right? Or then America doubles down and— perhaps attempts to create right-wing death squads to fight. But, I mean, do they even have a constituency to arm up there? It doesn't seem like they really do. I know there are a lot of right-wing protesters and a lot of people, you know, who who uh, who disapprove of the current situation and from the right. But the idea that they're going to necessarily just be able to turn them into right-wing death squads and start a civil war or something, it doesn't feel nope. right to me. It doesn't seem like probably that's next. But I don't know what they're going to do then, because otherwise they've already lost, right?
1: Well, I could tell you how it works on the ground in, in uh, Venezuela, where you know, I spent a lot of time, especially, you know, the, remember that back in 2002, the New York Times and the U.S. State Department said that a popular distaste and hate for Chavez led Chavez to resign from office and he's disappeared. In fact, he was kidnapped by a rump faction of the military, backed by. The U.S. State Department and and I was with BBC Television. We have all the documents. We have the tapes, for God's sake. And uh, the U.S. tried to foment this coup d'état. They actually kidnapped Chavez, and then a million people came out of the poorer areas and filled the capital, and threatened to murder all the coup leaders unless. And it was headed by the by the way, by the um, the head of the Petroleum Association. <laughs> In uh, in Venezuela, who named himself president, just like this guy Guaido has named himself president, and you know people can and, and so then uh, they were under uh, fear of getting uh, lynched. They returned Chavez to office. The military stood by the elected government. They are uh, somewhat like the U.S. military in that you know it'd be pretty hard to convince the U.S. military, no matter who is president, to overthrow the elected president. Venezuelans are very proud, patriotic people, and they are not going to overthrow their elected government at the behest of foreign oil powers. It's just not going to happen. The, what may happen, and I could see this might actually end up in the overthrow of the Maduro government, is this financial squeeze where they've literally the British government has seized Venezuela's gold. And when you say the British government is, when I work with the BBC, um, when I talked about uh, the British intelligence agency MI, I talked about MI six. I said, "What is their relationship to BP?" and 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 one of the board of directors of British Petroleum said to me, "MI five and MI six are British Petroleum." I mean, so you're talking about a foreign um, intelligence agency seizing the gold of Venezuela. You're talking about the Trump government uh, seizing the oil company and oil assets and oil monies of Venezuela and the Venezuelan people. It's not, it's not the Venezuelan oil company. It's the Venezuelan people's oil company. And, but that may result in, in such an economic collapse in Venezuela that people will feel that they have no choice if they want to eat, if they want to function, they ha- will have no choice, but to let in effect the U S uh, You know, the Trump administration named their president. I've seen this happen. Uh, I've seen this happen in other countries before where they basically throw up their hands because people have to survive. Mm -hmm. That may work. I can tell you this. Military intervention will not work. You will have every Venezuelan, right, left, center, you name it, hit the beaches with their own weapons to fight off an invasion. It would be like Bay of Pigs, except bloodier and awful. I hope this never—I can't imagine that— even Agent Orange in the White House would come up with something that nuts.
0: Well, I mean, and when Bolton, Bolton had his notepad with 5,000 troops to Columbia written on it, what are 5,000 troops going to do? Who do you get that advice from? Paul Wolfowitz or something? Give me a break. Um, yes. Well, this so I, I, say I, I don't know what that was supposed to be, but it w- was nothing. So, but now let me ask you this, as long as we're talking about this, the economic squeeze here, uh, many of the defenders of, and even critics, of the Venezuelans have said that uh, the worst of the hyperinflation actually came after the sanctions, and because of the sanctions, because part of them was actually the removal of Venezuela from They weren't specific. They said international banking systems. I don't know if they meant the Bank for International Settlements and SWIFT or what. I don't know the details, but they, essentially, Everything. they were saying that it was the the Treasury Department's war against the Venezuelan economy that really destroyed their currency more than just monetary inflation did. But do you know the timeline on that and whether that really holds up?
1: Yes. Oh, well, um, starting last year, um, the U.S. government was able to cut off. I mean, we've, we've run an embargo. And when I say embargo, don't think about ships in the ocean like during the Cuban Missile Crisis or something like that. This is an act of war, and embargoes are act of wars. And and today, you don't put ships out in the ocean to embargo a nation. What you do is, as you mentioned, uh, people may not know what SWIFT is, it's the international system for clearing currency movements and clearing checks internationally. And you can't function without being able to move, you know, like Venezuela sells oil at a Citgo gas station in New York it can't get that money if if they're cut off from the Swiss uh, Swift system, and of course um, the U.S. has literally cut off transactions to um, Venezuela. Um, you know, I can't. I have a guy, a photographer, down there. I can't pay him for his uh, for his photographs uh, because I would literally be breaking U.S. law now. People don't realize that any uh, monetary transaction with Venezuela, the British government, the European, uh, you know, the uh, European Union have all done everything that they can to cut off Nicaragua. Excuse me. I keep saying Nicaragua because it's kind of a repeat of what we did in Nicaragua. You know, that failed. But uh, what we've done to Venezuela is make it impossible for them to operate. No nation could withstand this. It's not a matter of that they're being badly managed. And by the way, I think that they are being badly managed by the Maduro government. Uh, However, uh, Canada, if we embargoed, did the same thing to Canada and said, we will not take your oil, we will cut off payments to Canada for your oil and resources, Uh, you will have no ability to clear your checks internationally, Canada would implode. And so it's not, you know, uh, does that mean that Canada is badly run or terribly run or that they have a dictatorship? No, it just means that when you're under the uh, financial uh, um, siege, and it's really a siege, it's almost impossible to maintain an economy. And, and again, I'm not saying that Maduro knows how to handle this crisis situation well, but um, he didn't create the crisis.
0: Yeah, well, and I want to get back to also apparently from the point of view of the majority of Venezuelans, They still prefer him to the right because the right doesn't have anything to offer that they're willing to accept. And, of course, all of this is just assuming any of this is America's business at all. We're just talking um, about—because, you know, people's opinions uh, do weigh heavily here, and there are a lot of people rallying around this. This is another, like, bombing Syria moment where people love Donald Trump all of a sudden because he's harnessing American power to do good in the world. So people are looking at it that way, so I always— the first question always is, how is this the U.S. government's fault first? And, um, and then we get to everybody else's responsibility because they are the only trillionaires in the world, the U.S. government. They are the world empire. And so uh, they are the deciders of so many of these things. So that's well, why I try to really emphasize that because America is, me, is the 8 trillion ton gorilla. Uh, USA to is, is right, I mean to uh,
1: say. What to me is frightening is that the Democratic Party— has been missing in action. They've joined in the, in the attack pack, and the New York Times, the Washington Post, National Petroleum Radio, the whole gang has talked, you know, they, they love this guy, um, Guaido, because he went to George Washington University, he's a white guy. By the way, one, one thing you cannot leave out of this, you cannot leave out of this, Scott, to understand Venezuela is the racism. We're talking about uh, a white minority when you look at those demonstrations, they're all white. When you look at Guaido and his wife, blonde wife, it's race is at the core of this. The white minority had controlled Venezuela for 400 years. And suddenly the man that they called a monkey, Hugo Chavez, who, called, who identified himself, as most Venezuelans do, as Negro y Indio, as black and Indian. And so is Maduro, the current president, black and Indian. Um, so you have this white minority, elite minority, which is trying to take back the control that they lost when democracy finally took hold in Venezuela. And that's how you know that that Guaido does not have popular support. Because if you look at him and you look all around him, it's the white English speaking minority. And, um, but of course, these are the people that charm the U.S. press, uh, you know, with their, with their grace and, and elite manners and wonderful English. But this is not the majority of Venezuelans.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to have Max Blumenthal on later on. Um, he's got a great piece about, you know, the inner workings of the right wing here and the uh, how the USA made uh, this guy. Uh, And his and his group and all of that, and including a lot about the cokes and their direct involvement. And they're right at the heart, not just of intervention, but intervention in the name of liberty when the the, the military and the CIA and the NED are the exact opposite of that and couldn't possibly be a means to that end. So
1: got to call them out. Are we liberating the people of Venezuela or liberating the oil of Venezuela?
0: Yeah, obviously. All right. The great Greg Palace. Thanks so much for your time, Greg. Great to talk to you again. Thanks, Scott. And uh, Lenny Badpenny. I keep thinking she'll turn up, but I haven't seen her in a while. But tell her hi for me. I will. Absolutely. Bye. All right. The Best Democracy Money Can Buy. That's the book and the documentary and all of that. GregPalast.com. All right, y'all, and that's it for Anti-War Radio for this morning. I'm your host, Scott Wharton. I'm here every Sunday morning from 8.30 to 9 on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Check my full interview archive, more than 4,900 interviews now, going back to 2003 at Wharton.org. See you next week. All right, y'all, thanks. Find me at libertarianinstitute.org, at scotthorton.org, antiwar.com, and reddit.com slash scotthortonshow. Oh, yeah, and read my book, Fool's Errand, Timed and the War in Afghanistan, at foolserrand.us.